0: Good morning. Morning. Happy Labor Day. Yes. Yes. All right, sweet. Welcome to New City Church. My name is Andy. I'm one of the pastors here. If you are visiting with us today... Please take a moment and look at the seat back in front of you. There's a connect card. We'd love for you to fill that out so that we can connect with you, help you engage at New City Church. Just drop it back in the offering box. Um, It'd be a great way for us to know about any prayer requests or anything else going on in your life. Um, We do pray for those. And so please just take a moment, drop it off in the offering box. Um, We'll help you get connected at New City Church. A few announcements here today. Uh, Next week, City Group Leaders, we're having our City Group Leaders Summit at my house in my backyard Um, so pray for no rain and um, pray for us as we do that because city groups are a really big deal here at new city church and so we put a lot of time and effort um, into training our leaders and praying for them and our leaders put a lot of time and effort um, into leading city groups and so we have a summit twice a year now and um, please pray for that time next week also the following week september 17th we're having our members lunch this is a fall members lunch um, so, please, RSVP for that on the city. If you are a partner member at New City Church, um, please, RSVP will provide lunch. It'll, it'll be a really good time. Am I doing something wrong? I keep going in and out. Okay. All right. Uh, the following week, the, that exact week, we're launching... Our student city group. And I'm really excited. Danny and Maddie Freyde are taking over that. And they're going to help propel it. We're going to see what the Lord does. So if you have a high school or middle school student. Or if you want to volunteer. Pay attention. We're going to announce where. um, But we do know the when. It's September 20th at 7 o'clock. It'll be a lot of fun. Please invite your friends. It'll be a good time. So uh, two more announcements. Ultimate Frisbee. Not happening tomorrow. Yes, next week. And then in three Tuesdays. On September 26th, we're going to go out into the streets and evangelize with a little bit of logic and love. It should be a good time. Um, And then last announcement, next week, we are ending our Summer in the Psalms short two-week series, and we're going to launch into Classic Acts. Or we go through select scriptures in Acts and go through the whole book, but not every single thing. We're going to go through the classic stories in Acts. That'll take us right up to the Christmas season. Who's excited for Christmas? I'm excited for Christmas. Yes, you and me, man. Let's do that. Um, So it'll be really good. So next week, come back as we go through classic Acts. All right. Those are the announcements. Those are over. Today, we are going to be talking about Books. We're going to be talking about two books in particular. So what is your favorite book? Someone shout it out. Yes. Sweet. All right. That sounds like a really good book. The Wild Things. Things. That's a good book. We have that at our house. Anyone else? Favorite books? It doesn't have to be fiction and you can't say the Bible because that's cheating. Lord of the Rings. Yes. Great book. Anyone else? Favorite books? Anyone have like a favorite biology book maybe? Yeah. What do you like? The Green Mile. I've never read that. There you go. Wow. You seem smart. That's awesome. Okay. So today we're going to be talking about books. Now remember your experience with books. Why did you read it? And why is it your favorite book? What was going on in your life at the time that made that experience Of reading that book so solid and so good for you. Think about that as we talk about the two books that God has written and our response to them today. So, please stand for the reading of God's word. This is Psalm 19, and these are the words of God. The heavens declare the glory of God, and the sky proclaims His handiwork. Day to day pours out speech and night to night reveals knowledge. There is no speech, nor are there words whose voice is not heard. Their voice goes out throughout all the earth and their words to the end of the earth. In them he has set a tent for the sun which comes out like a bridegroom leaving his chamber and like a strong man runs its course with joy. Its rising is from the end of the heavens and its circuit to the end of them. And there is nothing hidden from its heat. Who can discern his errors? Declare me innocent from hidden faults. Keep, me, keep back from your servant also from presumptuous sins. Let them not have dominion over me. Then I shall be blameless and innocent of great transgression. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight. O oh Lord, my God, my rock and my redeemer. Amen. You may have a seat. Pray with me. Father God, you are a good king. We know that you are good even though so m- there is so much suffering in the world. Father, we pray now for Houston and the victims of the hurricane. We pray that you would heal. We pray that you would continue to work through uh, the brave men and women out there rescuing, both professional and lay, that they are out there rescuing and helping. God, we pray the waters would recede and that you would get glory out of it. Most of all, Father, we pray that you would use this experience in those folks' lives to bring them to you that they might know you and the peace that comes through you. Please be with the hurricane victims. Also, Father, we praise you for the brand new life that was brought into Sarah and David Jameson's life. We thank you for that birth. We thank you for health. And we do pray for them as they transition to being parents and learn to enjoy that season of life. You are a good king, Father, and I do pray that the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts would be pleasing in your sight. You are our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Alright, sweet. So, today, we are talking about Psalm 19. This psalm is very easily divided up into three pretty distinct but connected sections. It starts with the world, then God's Word, and then humanity, our response to those first two books. Spurgeon is the one who coined the phrase, the world book, the word book. So, because he has a better beard than I, we're going to use those. Now, sections 1 through 6, verses 1 through 6, where it talks about the heavens declare the glory of God. This first section talks about the purpose of creation. Notice one thing. It is assumed that God created it. The psalmist writes this with full knowledge of the book of Genesis and full knowledge of the living God who created the universe from nothing. He did it ex nihilo, meaning out of nothing. So God created the universe and in this psalm it tells us the big purpose of his creation. We read this world book and we take note that the purpose is to declare the glory of God. God created the world to reflect his glory so that we might worship him. Now how did he do this? Or how does creation bring glory to God? In speech without words. It, this is beautiful imagery, is it not? Day to day pours out speech and night to night reveals knowledge. So it's saying that creation is speaking. And then it flips the coin in a, in a fun paradox. There is no speech, nor are there words whose voice is not heard. So creation speaks of the glory of God without words. Well, I, 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 I want to be in David's head. This dude is an artist. It's, it's beautiful. This section tells us in metaphors about the glory of God talks about the sun running its course like a strong racer there's something that can be brought to glory uh, brought glory to god by a competition by the sun going from west to east well reverse that east to west although if it did the other way then that'd be crazy too because that would be god doing it the sun running its course like a strong racer like a bridegroom coming out of his bedroom This is wonderful because this man has just gotten married. A bridegroom is a man who has just gotten married and comes out of his marriage bedroom praising God for what he has done. Praising God for possibly the best day of his life. These are things that reflect the glory of God. And when David is looking at the creation, he's thinking about these things. He's thinking about humanity. He's thinking about our purpose here and why God created all that he created in nature. And so we see that God created the world to reflect His glory. What does that mean for us is our natural next question. The heavens declare the glory of God. So what? Well, it means that we can enjoy that God created it. It means that we should enjoy all that God has created. Now, when, we say that, when I say that, we, we should enjoy all that God has created Immediately, in my head, pops up all the dangerous things. How am I going to enjoy a shark? How am I going to enjoy drugs? How am I going to enjoy um, all the things that really we know, because we're Christians, we should not be doing? Am, Am I saying that we should enjoy drugs? No, I'm not saying that. And we know that because we read not only this first world book, but we also read the second word book, Scripture. And we'll get into that a little bit more. But I want you to know that we can enjoy nature. But the way that we enjoy nature is different than a non-Christian because Christians have the second book. So back to creation. I would make the case, and you can send Aaron an email if you'd like, that non-Christians cannot enjoy nature like Christians can. Non-Christians cannot enjoy nature as much as Christians can because... We know the Creator. That's a simple fact. I enjoy a painting more when I'm friends with the guy who painted it. And non-Christian is not only not friends with the painter, they think the painting happened by accident with no purpose. You see, in creation, God tells us the purpose of the glory of God is, the purpose of nature is to bring God the glory. And that is what allows us to enjoy it so much. Now, I'm also not going to diminish the non Christian experience in the world. I'm not going to say that there are not great Christian scientists, great, great non Christian scientists, great non Christian artists. I'm not going to say that at all. And I'm not going to diminish our experiences before we became Christians. But what I do want to say is that God wrote these two books, and Christians should take liberty to enjoy both books because we know who made them. We know that the sun rising in the east and setting in the west, has a purpose. It's not just accident. It's not just stardust bumping into stardust. We know this is true because God tells us it is true. Now, this non-Christian can make art and observe the world, but it's not nearly as complete as it could be were they not to repent and become a Christian. If God saves a person, he is taking that person, broken as we are, and then immediately starts us on a process of sanctification. Which is a fancy word for making us more like him, or making us holy. And in that wholeness, both W-H-O-L-L-Y and H-O-L-Y, in that holiness, we are allowed to, encouraged, embraced, commanded to, enjoy nature. Non-Christians, when non-Christians look at nature, there's two basic responses. We see this in Romans 1. Non-Christians worship the world as God or they worship themselves with the world. When we were non-Christians, we worshiped the world or ourself with the world. That is completely different than what we see here in Psalm 19. In them he, God, has set a tent for the sun, which comes out like a bridegroom leaving his chamber and like a strong man, runs its course with joy. There is purpose in what nature, what God created in nature, and in that we can enjoy it because we know our Creator. Now in all those things, it's couched with the very first sentence. The heavens declare the glory of God. All things give glory to something. And when we enjoy things, we are giving glory to something as well. Now, we're going to complete this at the end when we get to the third picture, but but keep that image of glory in your mind. Keep that definition of giving glory when you enjoy something. When a non-Christian enjoys something, the glory does not go to God. When a Christian enjoys something, the glory does go to God. Now we are sinful, and so sometimes it goes to the world and to us. But because of Christ, we can repent and enjoy it to its fullest extent. So that's the first section. This is the world book, right? God created the world to bring himself glory. The second section is the word book. Now, briefly, let's read the verse 6 and 7. And there is nothing hidden from its heat, talking about the sun. The law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. That almost feels like a big disconnect. Talking about creation, and then the next sentence, the law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. It would be a disconnect if it were not two steps in a race. If it were not two books in speaking about the same thing. We see here the first section is about God's glory and the second section is also about God's glory. The law is always relevant. Now, let's explain this a little bit. When I say the law, what do I mean? Don't get up and leave and you may email Aaron if you have trouble with this. The law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. And it goes on and on and on. It is very obvious, reading this text right here and many other passages in Scripture, that the law is good. That the law is something that God spoke forth, that he gave to us, and that is good. Now, the law is also always relevant, that is a bit of the controversial part. The law is always relevant. But in understanding why the law is always relevant, we have to look at the relationship between the New and the Old Testament. And first, as we do that, let's define Old Testament. When we in the Scripture talk... When, when Scripture talks about the Old Testament, it is not talking about old like last year's iPhone old. When your iPhone gets old, you get a new iPhone. That is sometimes how we mistakenly look at Scripture... Old Testament, not relevant. We got a new, better one. Not how it is. The Bible talks about the Old and New Testament and the continuity between the two in terms of you lay a foundation for a building. The Old Testament is that foundation. It is the first thing you build. Once you dig a hole, you lay the foundation. And then what do you do? You build the house on top of the foundation, right? So looking at time... The foundation is older than the house. But without the foundation, you would, the house would did not exist. It would be in the hole and you would not have a house. The Old and New Testament relationship is like that. The Old Testament is relevant, absolutely relevant to us, just as much as the New Testament. But we see and enjoy the Old Testament through the New Testament. Does that make sense? Old and New Testament. So old is still good. Now, old is also still relevant. Like the foundation of the building is old and the house is built on top of it, it is still absolutely needed to live joyfully in that house. Romans 3 tells us plainly, Paul says, Do we then overthrow the law by having faith, by this faith? By no means! Exclamation point. By no means! Exclamation point. On the contrary, on the contrary of getting rid of the old law, of getting rid of the Old Testament and the law, on the contrary, we uphold the law. Okay, when I figured this out, when, when, when God showed this to me, when it was taught and discipled into me, it kind of blew my mind for a long time. So be okay with having trouble with this. Be okay with working through this with us and your city group leaders. The Old Testament is relevant. Paul says so right there. And if Paul is not strong enough for us to believe that, Jesus also says it. He says in Matthew 5, do not think that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. For truly I say to you, until heaven and earth pass away, not an iota, not a dot, will pass from the law until all is accomplished. Therefore, whoever relaxes one of the least of these commandments and teaches others to do so, will be called least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever does them and teaches them will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. It could not be any clearer. It could not be any clearer. Jesus fulfilled the law, but did not abolish it. He was perfect so and obeyed god perfectly so that he could give us that perfection and we could have a relationship with god this is very clear we cannot but but let me also be very clear about a few other things because i'm sure there's some questions we cannot get to heaven by obeying the law i'm never going to ju- i'm never going to say that do not hear me say that jesus is the only one that justifies us by faith in him no works of obedience no works of the law will get you to heaven Is that clear? Take that, write that down, okay? That should be included in an email if there's objections. I said that. Jesus fulfilled the law for us because we cannot, and God planned it that way. Also, secondly, there is a change in the administration of the law. Let me say it again. There is a change in the administration of the law. How the law is worked out, how God plans to work out the law has changed since Jesus has come. Jesus came. Jesus came. Died on a cross, came back from the dead, and everything changed from that. Including our relationship to the law in its administration, right? We are not in the Old Testament age anymore where we had to make sure all of our clothing had only one type of fabric in it. And where we had to only eat certain types of food. We are in the now age. We are in what is called the church age. We are in the age that is coming, where Jesus is making the world li- back to himself. He's renewing all things back to himself. He's he literally putting his enemies under his feet, which is a very encouraging thing when we think about the enemies of God. God either converts his enemies or destroys them. And that is a hopeful thing for us. That should lead to repentance and joy. The administration of the law has changed, right? So all the civil aspects of it, that is worked out and no longer a part of our relationship as a church. The moral aspects of the law, they, they are administered by the Holy Spirit through us, right? That's why we have relationship with Christ and the Holy Spirit lives in us. To remind us and convict us of sin and to help us know what is right and wrong based on what is in the Old Testament. We are in the new age. We are, at, we are in the now age. We exist in this age and in understanding that the administration of the law and how it is executed on our planet is different the law also coincidentally and I can't go into this but it's a lot of fun is can be categorized into three basic categories the holiness code what you do to be perfect with god what jesus did for us the moral law do not commit adultery do not steal and the civil law do not steal Property, you have your own property as someone else has their own property. You cannot take it just because you want it. Now, those things are a lot of fun to read about it. But you have to understand that as those things do overlap, some moral things are civil, some civil things are moral. Um, this is scripture. And it is given to us as a guidance for how we can act as politicians and how we can act as artists and moms and dads. But in it, you cannot be, enjoy the law without, and this is the crux. Without Christ. Without Christ, the law condemns us. Without Christ, the, the law only points to our failings and how weak we are and broken and dead in our sin. And once, Christ, once we accept Jesus as our Savior and start following Him, He has regenerated us back from the dead. We can have relationship with God, peace with God, bring glory to God, and enjoy the law of God understanding how it has changed from the Old Testament to now, but still acknowledging that it is very, very relevant. So, how do we bring glory to God? We know in nature by enjoying it in the second part, how do we bring glory to God through the law of God? Well, we know that Christ enables this in us. He enables us to not commit adultery. He enables us to not steal. He enables us... To create things with our hands instead of being loafs and sitting around. That is done through the Holy Spirit in our lives. We cannot achieve it on our own. And so in doing that, we acknowledge that the testimony of the Lord is sure. Making wise the simple. We acknowledge as we work out that the commandment of the Lord is pure. Enlightening our eyes. May we see the path set before us because of God's law in the Old and New Testament. Telling us where we should go. And the Holy Spirit enabling us in that. Verse 10 and 11 are a little bit different verses, than verses 7 through 9. Verse 10 and 11 um, are, enable us to acknowledge that the law is sweeter than honey. That we can enjoy the law of God. It, it, it is something that David, as he wrote this, really yearned after and knowledge of the law. Of the Word of God. Now, I'm going to transition to using the word word instead of the law. But do please understand that I mean the same thing. All of Scripture, cover to cover, every page, every dot. Now, the Word of God is hated by non-Christians. Both us and before we were Christians and uh, Christian, non-Christians now. Why do non-Christians and why did we hate the law? Because it spoke of our lack of ability. It spoke of our sinfulness. Of our desire to worship ourselves and not the true and living God. Non-Christians hate the law, and we used to be that way because it showed us our sin. We used to hate the law, but now we can enjoy the Word. Now we can thrive in the Word. Now we can be blessed by the Word. Now we can be encouraged and brought and disciplined by the Word because we have the Holy Spirit of God living in us and Jesus interceding for us in heaven next to God. So that's the word book is the second one. And the world book is the first one. And we read both of those things bringing glory to God for what he has done and what he has said. What he has created in the world and then his decrees about how we should live and who he is. Then the psalmist David goes to his final part of scripture. He says, who can discern his errors? How do you you know how sinful you are? Who can figure out how sinful I am? Who can discern his errors? Declare me innocent from hidden faults. Keep back your servant from presumptuous sins. Let them not have dominion over me. Then I shall be blameless and innocent of great transgression. Innocent of great transgression. We see here that what keeps us from bringing glory to God is sin. What keeps us from reading the Scripture and acknowledging God and submitting to Him and worshiping Him because of what He has written is sin. What keeps us from enjoying nature as it should be and not distorting things and worshiping creation instead of uh, Creator is sin. Sin is literally the, the, the source of all problems in the world. Our sin and one another's sin. Our sin in our hearts and the sin in the world in whole. And because of the cross, Jesus is dealing with both of those things. Our sin in our hearts and the sin in the world. And David acknowledges that God created the world for his glory. The law of the Lord is perfect. God spoke the word and that is wonderful and glorious also to God. And then how do we respond to those things? How do we respond to the world and to the word? Well, it first starts with confessing our sin. There are three stages of sin that that David confesses secret sin, hidden sin, presumptuous sin, and great tra- transgression. Sorry, I'm going to drink. Great transgression. An example is secret porn use. That's hidden sin. That's something that no one may know about. But if that continues on, it leads to presumptuous sin, where now you're not only enjoying looking at porn, you're making the case for good very close non- spousal, opposite-sex friends. Does that make sense? If you continue on in sin, it is never satisfied. It always fulfilled. It always looks for more. And then you will one day find yourself making the case that I should not only be friends with my wife, best friends, I should have a couple other lady friends who are not my wife. And we're not going to sleep together, but we're still good friends. That can lead to some very dangerous places, this psalmist says. He says the third stage in sin is great transgression. Which naturally would be adultery. Sex outside of marriage with, non, with your non-spouse. Sin grows and eats. And David acknowledges this is a result of not worshiping and not giving glory to God. The solution, we know, is the gospel. David knew the same thing. That is the only thing that allowed him to confess his sins, that he knew there was a solution. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight. How do we know how to be acceptable in our sight? Be perfect. Who is the only one who is perfect? Jesus. David looked forward in the world and saw Jesus dying for his sins, interceding for us on behalf of Him. And he had hope and faith that that would happen. We look back on what Jesus did and have hope and faith that it did happen. And because of that, we can fight our sin knowing the one who has conquered our sin. And in that, we have freedom to confess it. We have freedom to start with the secret sins and to confess those. We have freedom to then also go on to the presumptuous sins. The ones we do um, on purpose, a little more gaudy like. Those are we can confess those as well. And then there's hope also when we commit great transgression because we can confess that sin and repent and turn from all that. This psalm ends where God first works in the world right now. We cannot be blessed by the law of God, the words of God, without first the conviction of our sin. We cannot enjoy the world or the Word without peace with God. And then once we have peace with God, in Romans 5, like Mark read earlier, therefore, once we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. And through Him, we have also obtained access by faith, not by works, by faith into this grace in which we stand. And we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. We have peace with God. His wrath was poured out on Jesus instead of us. And because of that, we can enjoy the words of God and the world of God. Non-Christians can enjoy the benefits of the law. But it will never be in the same way that a Christian can. Non-Christians can benefit from scriptural principles. Do not steal. Non-Christians benefit from that being true. Do not steal. When non-Christians obey that... They benefit from it. They do not get to heaven, and we do not get to heaven by that way. But non-Christians can still enjoy the words of God because they are living and active in the the world. Even non-Christian atheists acknowledge that God's way is better in marriage. Non-Christian atheists are now even acknowledging that a monogamous male and female relationship is healthier For those members in society, then multiple of each. Atheists are acknowledging that. They are benefiting from the law of God. However, it cannot get them to Jesus. It cannot bring them peace. So, uh, God works in the world through us and our conscience. and And in that, we enjoy the law and the world. Following the loving words of God, we can enjoy the world He made. Because we know it is about His glory we also know that we should be and can be making better use of this world for His glory. First of all, by making disciples and evangelizing and teaching people to follow all that God has commanded us to do. Secondly, we can worship God through our work in our 9 to 5 or whatever hours you work from Monday to Saturday. Now, we can do that. And and I want to go back to the very beginning. I talked about enjoying the world I don't think it would be a very fitting sermon if I did, uh, about books if I did not read a portion of one of my new favorite books. Um, this, is a, this is from a, pass, a passage by a book named The Things of Earth, Treasuring God by Enjoying His Gifts by a man named Joe Rigney. He says, concerning how Christians can bring glory to God by the world and through the word. He says, in other words, Jesus is better. He's better than the harvest, than the celebration. The steadfast love of the Lord is better than life. There's nothing on earth that I desire besides you. He's quoting some Psalms. Now here's the question. What do we do with that truth? We know that Jesus is better than the world. What do we do with that truth? There's two possibilities, he says. The first says, I love ice cold lemonade, but Jesus is better. So maybe I shouldn't love ice cold lemonade so much. Perhaps I should even mix in a little vinegar with it to spoil the taste. The second reaction is this, this lemonade is so good and it is just a fleeting taste of the fullness of joy that Jesus offers. Let's have another drink of that lemonade so that we can indeed say that the Lord is good. He goes on, do you see the difference? In the first case, we seek to make Jesus better by making creation worse. And in the second, we seek to let creation be grand only to remind ourselves that we have not yet to begun to experience the full grandeur of creation. In the first, we make the lemonade dimmer so that Jesus shines. And in the second, we let the lemonade be lemonade and see that Jesus shines better. We discover that the lemonade shines only because Jesus shines better. In the first, we make creation stoop and Jesus stand tall. And in the second, we let creation stand up and rise, reaching for the skies with all its towering pleasures, only then to confess that God is better from the bottom of our heart, that Jesus is better, that creation is for His glory. We cannot fully enjoy creation until we have peace with God. And in that, we understand that we do not have to not enjoy lemonade or not enjoy football or feel guilty about enjoying those things. We do not have to feel guilty about enjoying the things in this world as long as those things line, line up with that second book. We have the first book of the world, the second book of the Word, and we interpret the world Through the word. And in that we have freedom to enjoy lemonade and football and baseball and competition. And in that we say in our hearts and verbally, Man, that was an awesome football game. Sports will be better in heaven. That'll be so sweet. Praise you, Jesus. You are a wonderful God. Do you see the discrepancy in the relationship? Versus, man, I shouldn't have watched that football game. I should have been out evangelizing. What in the world? And I feel bad. I love you. I know you're better, Jesus. See the difference? It's a, it's a subtle shift, but it, it absolutely frees us up to worship God to His fullest extent. We cannot enjoy creation fully without the gospel. And we'll, we'll end here. We cannot enjoy creation fully without the gospel. We cannot enjoy God fully without the gospel. And we cannot have peace without the gospel. God gives us peace through His Son on the cross. And in that we can experience it regardless of the life stage we're in, regardless of the situations we're in. So my questions are to you today, do you have peace with God? And if you do have peace with God, do you love His Word? And if you do love His Word, do you enjoy His world? Because it, is bringing, it can bring glory to God. These are questions that we should wrestle with. These are questions that we have answers to because we know God and because we can read what He has written. I would ask that you walk out of here today free after confessing your sin and taking the bread and the, uh, and the juice or the wine, which is, represents the body and the blood of Jesus that was spilled on our behalf so that we might, we might have peace with God. I would ask that you walk out of here today rejoicing and praising God for the life that He has given us, the mission He has put us, in him on, put us on to see Him made known much of in this world. And I ask that you would pray for one another and encourage one another and get to know the Word of God so that we might enjoy Him fully. Let's pray. Father God, You did indeed, indeed make the world You did indeed create everything to bring Yourself glory. We thank You for that. We praise You that we not only can enjoy what You made, but You gave us the written Word so that we can enjoy what You made more fully. So that we can enjoy what You made to its fullest extent, this side of heaven. Father, when we confess our sin, we ask that You would give us peace. We ask that You would allow us to reconcile with our friends, our spouse, our neighbors who we have sinned against, I ask that those reconciliations would be smooth. I ask for healing in those relationships. Um, Father God, we know you are a good king and that you are working all things out for your glory and for our good as well. So we ask that you would allow us to enjoy your gifts this afternoon. Amen.